Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 210 is entitled Recognizing the Hand of God, Part 4, Power. For continuity, we recommend that you first download Podcast 204, 205, 206, 207, and 209. However, each podcast may be listened to independently. People commonly recognize the laws of nature, but we do not always recognize the hand of God. In God's kingdom, everything is governed by law, whether it is temporal law such as earth or spiritual law such as the teachings of Christ. The hand of God by design is visible that faith may grow. The temporal world is detected by the temporal senses. The spiritual world is detected by the spiritual senses, but both worlds are governed by the laws of God. All miracles are brought about by faith. A miracle is governed by a law of God that we do not yet understand. God never works by accident, or chance, or coincidence, or serendipity of circumstances. He does not deal with guesswork. Science, though brilliant at discovering the principle of causality, is clueless about the origin of things. Therefore, they claim that man is an accidental collocation of atoms and that we live in an accidental universe. Bertrand Russell, English mathematician and philosopher, sums up the views of science. That man is the product of causes which had no prevision of the end they were achieving. That his origin, his growth, his hopes and fears, his loves and his beliefs are but the outcome of accidental collocations of atoms, that no fire, no heroism, no intensity of thought and feeling can preserve an individual life beyond the grave, that all the labors of the ages, all the devotion, all the inspiration, all the noonday brightness of human genius are destined to extinction in the vast death of the solar system and that the whole temple of man's achievement must inevitably be buried beneath the debris of a universe in ruins. All these things, if not quite beyond dispute, are yet so nearly certain that no philosophy which rejects them can hope to stand. Only within the scaffolding of these truths, only on the firm foundation of unyielding despair, can the soul's habitation henceforth be safely built? Whereas I have no doubt that Mr. Russell is a devout atheist, I would like to point out a danger that writers of his caliber face. Sometimes language has a life of its own, so that it is not always possible to discern if the thought controls the language or the language controls the thought. The elegance of Mr. Russell's argument suggests the latter. For example, For a philosopher supposedly searching for truth, his claim in the last two sentences seems a little disingenuous. To assert, I am right and no philosophy that contradicts me can hope to stand, is foolhardy. 
he assumes that science has nothing else to learn. In addition, the very last assertion can be dismissed as hysterical. When he says, only within the scaffolding of these truths, what truths is he referring to? The incomplete science regarding the expanding universe or Mr. Russell's own opinion? And to claim that only on the firm foundation of unyielding despair can the soul's habitation henceforth be safely built is indefensible and doesn't really merit reply. The majority do not share his unyielding despair and his conclusion that only on unyielding despair can the soul's habitation henceforth be safely built is utter nonsense. First of all, it can hardly be called safe. I think the great Bertrand Russell indulged himself too much in the declaration above, setting his rhetoric on fire to illuminate scientific prejudice rather than to reveal truth. It is a common fault of scientific evangelists who are unaccustomed to being opposed. I suspect that Mr. Russell, now dead, was surprised to learn that there was life after death. However, it is unlikely that he knows any more about God in the spirit world than he did on earth. The spirit world, though a paradise to some, is not heaven, and God will be no more apparent to him there than he was in his earthly probation. We carry the same spirit with us when we die. If we are an atheist here, we will be an atheist there, and no one will be able to see Christ who does not first believe in Christ. Even his resurrection will be postponed until he calls upon Christ, because only through faith in Christ will he bring about our resurrection. What is most likely is that Mr. Russell will seek those of like mind and they will use their genius to explain away why they are not dead. No doubt they will develop a slightly modified philosophy based on their incorrect opinions on earth. It is certain, however, that in time, though it may take several thousand years, Mr. Russell will get to know Christ. Whether he will enjoy the meeting or not, only Mr. Russell will be able to tell us. Shakespeare fans are reminded of the famous quote from The Tempest by the magician Prospero to his future son-in-law. Perhaps it will satisfy Mr. Russell in the interim. You do look, my son, in a move sort, as if you were dismayed. Be cheerful, sir. Our revels now are ended. These are actors, as I foretold you, were all spirits, and are melted into air, into thin air. And like the baseless fabric of this vision, the cloud-capped towers, the gorgeous palaces, the solemn temples, the great globe itself, yea, all which it inherits shall dissolve, and like this insubstantial pageant faded, leave not a rack behind. We are such stuff as dreams are made of, and our little life is rounded with sleep. Looking at things strictly from a temporal point of view leads to false analogy. Science, for example, claims man is nothing but an animal a biological machine or a robot, that man has no free will, that there is no God and no intelligent design. Logic is no better than the premises upon which it is built. The structure of logic may be impeccable, but if the fundamental premises are false, the structure, though faultless, is still unsound. It is like building a house on a sandy foundation. It will eventually fall. Science recognizes laws, but does not recognize miracles. They have learned that by studying natural law, they can harness energy such as electricity. 
Is it less a miracle just because science understands the laws of nature? Not one bit. Science understands that laws of nature exist, but science does not understand why laws exist or where electricity comes from. Science discovers laws. Science does not create laws. God alone can do that. The origin of things rests entirely with God. Just as the earthly kingdom is governed by natural laws, the heavenly kingdom is governed by spiritual laws. Both are subject to the principle of causality, which means that both are discernible, one with the temporal eye, the other with the spiritual eye. It also means that both are provable, one by the scientific method, the other by faith. Those who approach science without faith are no better off than those who approach religion without science. They are not mutually exclusive. The house of God is a house of order. Without law, there is no order. We are more apt to assign miracles to spiritual laws because we have less understanding of spiritual laws. They are always governed by faith, and science does not understand faith. Therefore, they do not recognize miracles. Those who look at the solar system only with temporal eyes see gravity. Those who look at the solar system with spiritual eyes see not only the elegant laws of gravity, but also the invisible hand of God. The difference is one looks at nature with the eye of the brain, the other looks at nature with the eye of the heart. Where there is order in the universe, there is the power of God. The spirit in man is not an idle observer. The spirit affects both the brain and the heart. Both are necessary for a complete picture. The brain is a magnificent biological computer, but the brain is not the seat of intelligence. The brain processes information. It does not think. All thinking is done by our intelligence, which is housed in our spiritual body, which is housed in our physical body. The immortal spirit houses our immortal intelligence, which has always existed. The brain stores information. The spirit generates thoughts. The intelligence is to the brain what the brain is to the body. All thought is spiritual, as all feelings of the heart are spiritual. Our brain communicates with the world through the senses of sight, sound, touch, taste, smell, and feel. However, when we wish to communicate our feelings, the spirit communicates to the brain, and the brain translates those feelings into many different languages using the body, speech being primary. In other words, the brain translates the thoughts of the spirit to the language of the body. The brain is a form of decoder. It decodes the commands of the spirit and communicates them to the body, which in turn uses the powers of the body to communicate to the world. Free will and agency are spiritual elements, not temporal elements. The brain and the body do not have free will. Only the spirit has free will. Let me include one more observation. We have temporal eyes and we have spiritual eyes. Some things can only be discerned by the spiritual eyes. The same is true with the other senses. Let me here quote one of the most profound statements in the Old Testament. If we learn the truth in the following quote, we will profoundly increase our understanding of how God works. If we do not learn the truth in the following quote, we will always be bound to mortal earth and mortal understanding and may be prone to the myopic view of science as stated by Bertrand Russell above.
And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. The still small voice is the voice of the Holy Ghost. It has many manifestations. Inspiration, revelation, intuition, promptings of the Spirit, feelings, impressions, whisperings. More people perhaps have experienced the still small voice than have acknowledged or recognized it. We have far more than the five senses. When we were born, we were given the Spirit of Christ. It is in all of us to some degree, for He is the Spirit of truth. He gives us life. There is the Spirit of Christ and the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. Peter tells us we ourselves have a divine nature. Second Peter 1.4 Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. How can it be otherwise since we are all children of God? I invite you to sit down with pen and paper, or computer if that is your preference, and list all the ways you have received communication from God. For example, have you ever had the experience where a family member, a friend, a stranger, or even a child said something out of the blue that you needed to hear, though they had no idea of what was going on inside of you at the time. God speaks to everyone in their own language, and sometimes He gives even children the voice of an angel. We just need to listen. Just as temporal laws have conditions and consequences, so do spiritual laws have conditions and consequences. Let's call the cause the conditions of law. And let's call the effect the consequences or fulfillment of law. The following rule applies to all laws. In scriptural language, we call it commandments and blessings. First, let me define the principle of causality. For every cause, there is an effect. For every effect, there is a cause. Scientists rely entirely upon the scientific method to determine cause and effect. It works splendidly in the temporal world. All laws have order and predictability. They were designed that way by God. To the spiritual eye, all creation is by intelligent design. One set of laws governs the temporal world. Another set of laws governs the spiritual world. Both sets of laws have several things in common. In addition to the principle of causality, The primary thing they have in common is that both are governed by a higher set of laws, and the higher set of laws is governed by a single law, till they are combined under one great whole, and the governor is God. Each set of laws act independently in the sphere to which they are assigned, thus allowing the hand of God to remain invisible. Science searches for the holy grail of physics to unify the four forces of nature. Religion searches for the holy grail of temporal and spiritual laws to unify all creations of God. At the apex, you will find intelligent design. 
and the intelligent designer is Christ. His power emanates throughout all of his creation. As the non-believer searches to understand the unifying law, the believer searches to understand the unifier, which is Christ. Science sees the hand of nature. Christians see the hand of God. We are all children of immortality. This brief excursion on earth is but for a moment. As I said before, it is the hinge upon which eternity swings. We came to earth as spirits to gain a physical body and to learn to keep the commandments of God outside the boundaries of heaven. That is the only way that faith can be developed. We are like the crab without the shell, vulnerable to all predators. Peter said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, whom hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. True faith is this, to study the works of science in order to better understand the hand of God. To understand law is a good thing, but to comprehend Christ is a greater thing. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.